Second Peter chapter one. Can I be untruth and take my toes off? Does anybody mind? Is that wrong? You go to hell for that. I hope not. Second Peter chapter one. We've been coming through the book and uh laying it out verse by verse. I promised you guys that after we get out of about verse ten, I'm gonna start running. Because I we're just stalling. I can't get past one word a week and I hate that. I mean, I feel like we're going to be in Second Peter, curfew the millennium. I, I, uh, I, I worry about that sometimes. And I promise you, we hit Second Peter, we get talking about those false prophets. We won't call any names. Wouldn't mention Sam if we wanted to. But um, we'll, um, we'll hit that thing in a run and cover some chapters. This book's a dynamic book. But the reason I chose Second Peter for our first series on Sunday morning is because of the first ten chapters, verses of the book. And I want to squat here for a while and just spend some time. Last week we talked about in verse 5, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith what? Virtue. We talked to you about how that Jesus Christ cannot stand sin. We talked to you about how that God is holy. And God, I just stirred my heart because we had about six or seven or eight people go back in the back bedroom back there and just clean the thing up with God. And that stirs my heart. Uh, I hope that this church is never how big or small it becomes, never reaches a place where any member is not willing to go to the altar with God and, and deal with God there. Uh, there's, a, there's a thing taught in Scripture about Bethel. And Bethel is the place where Jacob met with God and where Abraham met with God and where Joseph and, and a number of people. And we've always got to have a Bethel in our lives. Always got to have a Bethel where we go to God and, 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 and deal with God frankly and truly. And Isaiah 118 says, Come now let us reason together, saith the Lord. God is a reasonable God, and God is a God who will deal with a man and deal with his wife. And, and I praise God for last week. Now, I hope that this week you've been living vir virtuously. I hope this week that you've gone through your life with a fine-tooth comb and you've removed anything that would not please God or any, any idols out of Egypt that may hinder you from entering the promised land. And so this morning we're going to take the next step. And the Bible says, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and as far as a word of knowledge this this word as far as scripture goes is, is vast before we begin to look at the word knowledge and begin to take a take a look at what god wants us to add to our virtue let's go to god in prayer as i pray and ask god to cleanse me and use me this morning you ask god to cleanse you and teach you this morning and apply his word to your life you see we've gathered here not to sing or not to fellowship although those are great parts of our worship We've gathered here to be conformed to his image, amen? To be brought more into his likeness. And that's our purpose this morning. And I would ask you that you not let your sin or any lack of fellowship or disrupted fellowship hinder the Holy Ghost this morning as he attempts to impart to you knowledge. Now, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. But I thank you for my brothers and sisters. We pray for those that aren't with us this morning, Father. We pray, Lord, that for sickness or whatever, God, that you'll bless their hearts and their lives, Lord, and turn them to us tonight. Lord, we ask you in Jesus' name to move in our hearts and our lives like we've not seen with people before. We pray that this morning, God, you'll build up your believers, you'll edify us all, till we all come, Father, in the, in the likeness of the Son of God, in the, in the image and a statue of the fullness of Christ. Lord, I pray that this morning, Father, Christ not be found in all of us. Bless now the preaching of the word. Examine me, Father, if there be any wicked way. Bring it to my remembrance that I might confess it, Lord, and and the hearers also, Father, that we might be clean and used, 
that your Holy Spirit might meet here with us, that the power of God may rest upon us assembly. In Jesus' precious name and for his glory. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 1. Book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is right after the book of Psalms. Book of Proverbs. I got a lot of favorite books of the Bible. In fact, when I'm reading at the time, it's probably my favorite book of the Bible. Whatever I'm reading. I'll, I'll tell you, this book is something. But the book of Proverbs is special. Do you realize if you get a handle on the book of Proverbs this morning, do you understand that you will have a a outline and a scenario and as the police say an M.O. on every man in this world? Do you realize that if you really want to get a handle on things, you learn the book of Proverbs and get it under your belt, and you know what will happen? You'll be able to spend five minutes with any man in this world and know what he's like, where he's coming from, and what his priorities are. Probably one of the greatest things a Christian counselor can have is not a Ph.D. in counseling. Probably one of the greatest, uh, probably one of the greatest things a, a, a Christian counselor can have is a knowledge, a thorough working knowledge of the book of Proverbs. Because the book of Proverbs is God's sketch of every man in this world. And the Bible is very clear and very plain. And we're not here this morning to teach the book of Proverbs, but the book of Proverbs is one of those monuments that God's laid out. And the book of Proverbs will hang every man in this world. When I was dealing with young people, young people like to like to try and pull faster than adults. They just love to see if they can if they can if they can run one by them. And the book of Proverbs became so precious to me in those times and dealing with with teenage young people. In the fact that you know when you get a youth department of 100 to 120 and you got kids everywhere and situations going here and there, the knowledge of human nature, the knowledge of of a, a man. Now, Proverbs chapter 1, the book of Proverbs is written, and now there are three applications of Scripture. What are those three applications of Scripture? Somebody tell me. Every Scripture in the Bible has three applications. Run them by me. Come on, don't be shy. Doctrinal. Historical. Inspirational. Well, I'm, I like that. I like that. When the single page turned to to read them, I like that. The historical application of the book of Proverbs is Solomon writing to his son, Rehoboam and saying, My son, if you will do these things, God will bless you, you'll have eternal life, and your life will be hunky-dory. That's what Solomon is saying to Rehoboam. Now, doctrinally, this is not to us. This is doctrinally. It is written, Solomon, type of God the Father, to Rehoboam, a Jew, telling them how to live their life and please God as an Old Testament Jew and uh, be a God's man in the Old Testament dispensation. Inspirationally, it is my father, Jehovah, writing a letter to me, teaching me, and, and instructing me in the words of wisdom. Now, we're going to read about the first uh, eight verses of Proverbs chapter 1, and Solomon is laying a preface for his son. Now, if Solomon talks to Rehoboam, you put that out of your mind, and you think that Jehovah is sitting in the chair next to you, talking to you and saying these things to you. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, and judgment, and equity, to give subtility to the simple, 
and to the young man knowledge and discretion. If you want to put in your Bible, with five verses 2, 3, 4, and 5, you have the purpose of the book of Proverbs. Now, well, I've started you guys with numerology. Does anybody have written down what the number 9 is in numerology? The number 9. You say, boy, you sure run all kinds of rabbit trails, don't you? Fruitfulness, amen. How many attributes are there in verses 2, 3, and 4? Guess. Nine. Do you realize that the book of Proverbs has its way in your life? You will be fruitful. It will give you wisdom, instruction, perceive the words of understanding, receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, and subtility of the simple, and to the young man, knowledge and discretion. That, my friend, will make you fruitful in God's eyes. Verse 5. A wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsel. You ever notice when you get in a church service and a man stands behind a pulpit or wherever and he preaches the word of God straight and through? Have you ever noticed there's always two markets, always two reactions? There's either a reaction of, who are you telling me that? Or you have no right to say that to me. Or I don't think you're right. My mommy raised me to believe, and you always have either, number one, a rejection of your words, or a reception of your words into the edifying and the building up of one's life to the image of just Christ. Amen? Solomon says, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto what? Wise counsel. Now, if a man gets up and teaches you like many, many do in this day and age, you know, I think the Bible says, and you know, it appears, and I think, and perhaps, and maybe, but what if, then, my friend, you can say, well, you know, I don't agree with him. But if a man gets up and says, thus saith the Lord, then you have no business in saying, well, I don't agree with him. Because the Bible says if you do, and you're here this morning, you're already saying, boy, you're brazen today. Who lit your fire? Then, my friend, note the Bible says there's two kinds of men in this world, a wise man and a foolish man. And so every time the word of God is shot out straight and through, there are two reactions. We've already been here, now what, 10, 12 weeks, something like that. Do you realize we've already had people come through here and already had people offended? We've had people that have come in here and they've smiled and said, gee, you know, thank you for having us, and they've left and never came back. We are not going to keep everyone that comes to the door. There is no way that will ever happen. Why? Because we as a body have agreed not to compromise the book. Amen? Amen. We're not going to say, we're, pull punches. We're not going to, obviously, going to be foolish and run people off. But our goal is to say, thus saith the Lord. Amen? Is that the desire of this body? Amen. Amen? Okay. So henceforth, understand. We'll keep the wise men. Do we want fools? All fools get saved, don't you? I want men, as the book of Proverbs calls them, young men, simple men, who have not reached the wise or foolish status yet, have not made the decision. We want them to become wise men. We want to instruct our young people to be God's men, don't we, parents? We want to instruct our young people how to, how to watch out for that woman out there. The book of Proverbs, chapter 5 and chapter 7, says is the whore that hunts after the precious life. We want to instruct our young people that there's a woman out there or a man out there, not a physical person, 
but a system or a, or, or Satan that's out there to destroy you. And the Bible says, can a man take fire in his bosom and not be burned? Well, the answer is no. The answer is no. The answer is a young man or a young lady, when they reach that place, as the Bible teaches them, as a young man, as a simple man, who's like Rehoboam, to make a decision. What am I going to do in this life? Solomon says, son, if you receive my words, if you'll hide them in your heart, then you'll find wisdom. Then you'll find knowledge. But if you don't, son, watch out. She's out there. She's out there. The Bible says that her paths are leading to death. The Bible is very clear. In fact, the book of Proverbs is a book that talks about, about the age of many young people here today, about making the choice of where am I going to walk? What am I going to do? So understand that we this morning are going to have wise men and women here this morning that are going to heed counsel. That this morning as we take the word of God and lay out the word knowledge for you, you'll be people going to say, yeah, I want that. Yeah, I need that in my life. And you will attain understanding from that thing. And you will grow thereby. And there'll be people here this morning that'll say, well, amen. Good message, Brother Dave. God bless you. And you'll tootle out the door and come in and come out and you'll all never grow anywhere. And there'll be people that'll be, that'll be offended. See? And so those are the reactions that are going to happen from God's Word. Verse 6. To understand the proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. Now look at verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Do you ever deal with somebody, an unsaved man? And you said, but if you don't get saved, you're going to hell. He said, oh, I got a bunch of buddies going to hell. We get there, we'll just have ourselves get a case of beer, and, uh, and we'll just sit down and play cards. We'll have a great time, have a square dance, or have a dance, and I'll have all my friends there, and all oh, hell's going to be wonderful. Well, like the infidel I heard here a couple weeks ago, well, I heard a song that was, was it, if, if uh, God's in heaven, I don't want to be there. Those kind of people are, are infidels, my friend. They're fools. If you tell a man, friend, Jesus died for your soul. Jesus came and, and, and gave himself a ransom for all. And you can have eternal life and things your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, neither enter the heart of men. They can be yours. You this morning can be a son of God. And they say, not today. My friend, the Bible says that man's a fool. They despise wisdom. They despise wisdom. I learned a long time ago. If this book is going to be the center of my life, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to walk with me. Do you realize the Bible says that out of your mouth proceeds the attitudes of the heart? Do you realize if you're in love with that book, you're going to talk about that book? Do you realize if you're in love with turkey hunting, you're going to talk about turkey hunting? Do you realize that? If you're in love with your job, you can talk about your job. You see, the book of Proverbs lays us out. So henceforth, I can be around you for about 30 minutes or three or four weeks, off and on, and I know what your heart's like. Because what you talk about. If I hear you say, boy, God bless this week, you know I'm knowing? I'm knowing that he was in the center of your life. I told you guys here about three weeks, four weeks ago, maybe a month ago. When we start getting testimony. Look what God did this week, Brother Dave. Look, praise God, he answered this prayer. I'll start knowing that he's become the center of lies, and you begin to walk after him, amen? And you see, because out of the mouth, you see that he's the heart. So if you're in love with that book, there's not much else to talk about. The royals, which we want to talk about. 
Um, you can talk about the weather, talk about gardening. What else can you talk about? Turkey hunt. Well, nothing else important besides gardening and turkey hunt. I don't know else <laughs> really could read up there. Uh, sometimes fishing, if they're biting, and if they're not, who cares? Am I communicating to you this morning? The Bible is a divisive book. People get up and say, positive, positive. Oh, Norman Vincent Spiel. And I didn't pronounce that wrong. Oh, Norman Vincent Peel gets up and he says, think positive, think positive, think positive. My friend, the Bible is very negative. It really is. The Bible is divisive. And I this morning can think very positive in Jesus Christ. I can be God's man, and I got a, a, a fortune up there, amen? Do you have one up there? I've got things that my eyes have never seen. I've got treasures I hope I'm building in heaven. That to me is positive. But you know what? To get those treasures, had to be a lot of negative things happened to Dave Bennett. Had to leave Egypt. Had to walk the wilderness. Had to fall in love with a book. Had to forsake father and mother and houses and lands and brothers for his sake. That's negative. Go on. The Bible says in verse 4 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. My son, hear the instruction of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. So that's your thing. God's talking to you this morning. He is saying, don't forsake my law. Don't forsake my law. Now, the purpose of this book in verse 4 is to give subtility to the simple and to the young man knowledge and discretion. If you study your Bible, you'll find out that knowledge and discretion go hand in hand. The Bible says over there in about Proverbs 18 or 19 that a wise man and a man with discretion sees evil coming and hides himself. He says, boy, you know something? i got to look holy. And there's a situation coming that's going to be bad. And the Bible says a man with discretion sees that thing and hides and lets it go by. See, the Bible teaches this thing in the book of Proverbs as being streets, ways, paths. And the Bible says that that whore in Proverbs chapter 5 is on a street corner. And wisdom is on the housetop. And they're both crying to the man in the street walking by. Chapter 7, verse 1, and wisdom uttereth her voice. How long, will you simple ones, will you not hear wisdom? How long? And so forth and so on. So the Bible paints a picture of an avenue in, in turns and corners in life where decisions must be made as we walk down that thing. Now, so the purpose of this thing is for a young man and young lady, and that includes us to the role that I'm still a young man, to get that knowledge, to get that knowledge, to get that discretion. Now, First Evan says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Have you guys noticed, <clears throat> I hope that you're, reaching this place in your Christian growth if you're not there already. Have you noticed, whenever you get around a young Christian, you really get plugged into the book. The first thing they see is how much God hates sin. You guys notice that thing in your own reading? Have you noticed how that God's just kind of standoffish as far as he wants no part of the world? God is uh, the demon. There's uh, God's um, uh, <clears throat> holy. Holy means separate, doesn't it? Set apart. Sanctified means set apart. That's the way God is. Now, as you begin to read this book, you're going to find out several things. Number one, you're going to find out that God blesses righteousness. Right? The Bible says that, that uh, Noah found grace in Israel because he was a righteous man. The Bible says that David was a righteous man after God's own heart. 
See, God blesses righteousness. The Bible says, be ye holy for I am holy. First Corinthians, second Corinthians talk about that. Second thing you're going to find about that book very quickly is that God's judgment comes with unrighteousness. Last Sunday night, we had a question on, generally asked about fornicators and the clean and adulterers will not inherit the kingdom of God. He asked about that question. The principle is taught there, if you're unrighteous, God's judgment will come. Amen? Okay, with that premise down, we got to make a decision, don't we? God loves righteousness. God hates unrighteousness. Uh-oh, decision time. Everybody here, decision time. What are you going to do? Are you going to say, if I do that, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that should he also reap. If you sow to the flesh, you reap what? Destruction. Sow to the spirit, you reap life everlasting. Decision. What do I do? If I sow to the flesh, I reap destruction. That sounds like judgment to me. Amen? What am I going to do? Well, if I, if I sin, is it worth the cost? If I sin, is it worth the price? You say, does sin have a price? Sure. Cost Jesus Christ his life, number one. Number two, every time you sin, it's taking something out of your life. It's limiting what God can do with you. And the, pretty soon, if enough of them build up, you're in a place where God can't use you at all. And he's like, Paul, makes you a castaway. Paul feared to be a castaway. Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the ones I do. So I bring my body into subjection lest I myself should become a castaway. Decision. Do I want to live for Jesus Christ? Is the partying worth it? Is my, are my habits, are they worth it? Question. Now, you still got your finger in Second Peter 1? Verse 5, read it with me, please. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, please stop. Virtue, isn't that making the decision? Follow me now. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Pardon me, knowledge. Virtue, knowledge. If I fear God, then I better not do that. Knowledge. Add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. Have I communicated? You see how Peter taught a principle out of Proverbs chapter 1 and 2 Peter chapter 1? He says, my friend, if you're going to make it for Jesus Christ, you've got to fear God. And if you fear God, you depart from sin. Amen? Now, um, look at uh, what I want to go from here. Turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The Bible says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the what? Holy is understanding. What is holy? Separate, apart, 
Right. So, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Okay? I have a wrench. This wrench fits a half-inch nut. If I do not have the wisdom to use the wrench on the nut, what good is it? I can scratch my ear with it. That's about all I can do. Right? It takes the wisdom to use the knowledge that I have. There is a half-inch bolt. Here is a half-inch wrench. Okay? Now, keep your finger in chapter 9 and go to chapter 4. Proverbs 4, 5. Proverbs 4, 5. I'm going to take just a second and drop back to chapter 4, verse 1. If you're a parent here today, if you want a life's prayer for your kids, you need to make it Proverbs 4, about the first 10 or 12 verses. Read it with me. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments. And let's catch a picture in your mind, King David, taking his little son Solomon, putting his son Solomon on a big old white stallion, and David and Solomon packing a lunch, you know, chiquita bananas and some, some Peter Pan. You know, I think kings eat, you know. And, uh, and uh, you know, big bag of barbecue chips, you know, maybe some sour cream dip. And, well, that's not good barbecue bit of chips, sour cream dip. And uh, taking a thing and packing it up on a horseback, you know, and, you know, uh, putting his bow and arrow and his spear and stuff in there. And can't you see him riding out there somewhere up there in, in, in Lebanon and finding one of those big cedars of Lebanon by some little babbling book in, in mid-July with a beautiful, cool breeze? Can't you picture old David popping off his old stallion and popping old Solomon down and the two of them sitting there about 10 o'clock in the morning in the cool with a babbling brook sitting there. Can you picture it in your mind? You got it in your mind? And your brook's babbling there well, like I am. And, um, and they're sitting there. Can't you see old David turn to Solomon? And with only the tenderness a father can have, taking a little boy's hands and son, I'm going to teach you some things now that are going to affect the rest of your life. Son, I want you to know some things that if you will do, God will bless you. Son, I made a lot of mistakes. Son, in fact, you were born out of one of my mistakes. But son, I want you to know something. God blesses faithfulness. God blesses righteousness. Son, I'm going to give you some commandments. And I'm not going to make them suggestions. I'm going to make them commandments. Because if I make them suggestions and you don't do them, you can point your finger back at me and blame me, Solomon. But if I make them commandments, you can never look at me in eternity, Solomon, and say, Daddy didn't tell me right. Daddy didn't try to make me. He made them commandments, not suggestions. Which may be a very good thought for us to make in our day and life. He says, son, if you'll keep my commandments. And can't you see Solomon sitting there and the Lord, through David, teaching that young man? And how that David grew up to walk in the steps of Father David. And now can't you see some 60 or 70 years later, David's got Rehoboam, and I bet they went to the same street, the same book. And I bet he took him out there, and Solomon was getting old, and he probably found the very same big seat of Lebanon. And they parked the horses there and put a dime in the meter, and they walked up, and, and, and they sat there, and he said, Now, son, 
hear ye the instruction of the Father and attend to no understanding. Rehoboam, for I give you good doctrine, forsaking not my law. He says, for I was my father's son. I was tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also like I'm going to teach you. And said unto me, let thine heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. Now, just a little little side note here to break all my emotional stuff I've got going. Why did he say and live? Doctrine, it's Old Testament. Your sin killed you in the Old Testament. It'll kill a child of God today, just not as quickly. Do you realize the Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 6 that if you rebel against your parents, kids, your life will be shortened? Say, your sin determines the length of your life. That's why David said, teach us to number our days. We apply our heart into wisdom. He says, keep my commandments. And look at verse 5. Get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get uh, pardon me. Forget it not. Get the wrong verse. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. Can't you see him out there? His old fist clenched, and he says, "Wisdom is the principal thing." Can't you picture that thing? He says, "Son, be wise." Serve the God of your fathers. Get understanding. Understand the times. Understand the word. Understand why we're here. Understand that the devil's working in this world and we're not ignorant of his devices. Understand, son. Get wisdom. Apply the knowledge of the book you've got to your life, to others' lives. Did you see it? You know what we're talking here? This is not a little cute little Mother's Day message that really is, this is life. This is the decision that determines maybe your eternal destiny. And if not your eternal destiny, your eternal rewards for sure. Because the Bible says if you will seek after wisdom like hid treasure and search for her as gold, the Bible says then you'll find the knowledge of God. But you know what you got to do? Back in 1849, there was a gold rush. These old guys got on the East Coast, and they heard that there's gold in their hills out there in, in California. And we're going to go out there, and we're going to see if we can make, make our fortune here. So what they do? They sold their houses, their farms, their lands, and they put it all in a covered wagon, and they rolled clear. I wouldn't want to drive in a car at 70, would you, from New York to California? And they went across in a covered wagon. Probably took a month. And they got out there, and what happened? Many people killed for the stake, didn't they? Most of them got out there and never found an ounce of gold, did they? They went out there and they found their, their, their calamity and they died seeking what? Worldly treasure. If a man will take his family and put it in a covered wagon, how for drive four or five thousand miles in a covered wagon to find gold? How much did you seek the word of God? point made. I mean, that's right here for me. God just got me right there. You see a little trickle of blood, you know what it is. The Holy Spirit beating on me while I'm here. You know what men have done? Men go to Africa. And they've got diamond mines, I'm told, in southern Africa that are two and three miles deep. What are they looking for? 
a little clear rock. How deep have you dug in the Word? Is your mind, your gold mind in the Word about six inches deep? Are you down to six feet? You down a mile? Have you hit a vein yet? Have you gotten some gold? Any diamonds in your pockets? Let me see. You see? God's really not impartial. Solomon says, Son, if you will get wisdom and get understanding, if you will get the knowledge of the holy, my son, you will live, God will bless you, and you will be the greatest thing God ever made, and God will bless your kingdom like you can't believe. But son, there's one thing. Get wisdom. Amen? Application of knowledge. Proverbs 9.10, I ask you to keep your finger there. said the knowledge of the holy is understanding. I don't know exactly where you're at spiritually this morning, and I've got some ideas on some of you. But I wonder this morning if, um, if you were in the Old Testament dispensation and your salvation depended upon you getting wisdom. I wonder this morning how many of us would go to heaven when Jesus Christ took the first fruits up. Do you realize we've got it so easy in church? What do we do? Jesus came into my heart and saved me. Amen. What have I done? Spiritually circumcised, was quickened, baptized, resurrected, the whole nine yards, right? What David had to do? Keep it to the end. David had to get wisdom. He had to get understanding. He had to keep the commandments or he lost it. Look at Saul. He lost it. I wonder this morning. Do you realize no guy like um um what's called name just lost me? Back in the book of, back in the book of um in the book of uh, Judges, uh, Sacrificed his daughter, Jotham. Is that right? Um, yes. The little boy back in the book of Je Jephthah. Oh, Jephthah back in the book of Judges says, Lord, I'm going to go out and I'm going to, you'll deliver these people to my hand. I will sacrifice the first thing that comes out of my door to you to meet me when I return. Thinking about a chicken or a dog or cat or lamb or cow. And he goes out there and God gives him a great slaughter. And he comes walking up to the old white picket fence around the old two-story ranch house down there. And he walks up to the old ranch-style house and opens the gate. Here comes his only virgin daughter at the door. Such his heart must have sank. Now, I would not tell you this morning that what he did this morning was that day was right. Because he violated the scripture by sacrificing his daughter. But my friend, what kind of integrity must that man have had to offer his daughter as a sacrifice to God? Because he told God he would. Do you know what that tells me? 20th century America has no commitment. We vow God, vows to God every time we revival, and we defer to pay. We say things that the Bible talks about every idle word we brought to judgment. We say things all the time, and we don't keep our word. Friend, that knowledge and that wisdom of understanding the solemnity of what God has 
of understanding exactly what God wants and expects of his people. Friends, please hear me now. We have set ourselves off on a goal till Christ be found in us. Amen? Our goal for the next year is not to reach Appleton City, not to pack this place out, but I pray God does. Our goal for the next year is to make you, every one of you, a strong, stable Christian that then we can then in turn build up the building and reach the kingdom of Christ. Amen? But my friend, if we are in, in, in essence going to do that, what has got to come from each and every one of our lives has got to be virtue, knowledge. We've got to give all diligence. We have got to make wisdom the principal thing. We have got to, with all our getting, get understanding. Because if we fail to do that, we're spending money we need to spend. We're inconveniencing people who need to be inconvenienced. We have plenty of churches in this country that are playing. And we can go play right with them. But if we as a body mean business, and we believe like Solomon said to Rehoboam, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, then let's do it. But this morning, to just get up and tell you what knowledge is, and not tell you the em emphasis that God places behind it, and how emphatic God is about getting it, I would be negligent in what, what I'm telling you. Very quickly, turn to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. Eighteen one. The Bible says, Through desire... A man, having separated himself, seeketh and intermeddleth himself, or intermeddleth with all wisdom. Do you, want, do you desire this morning to serve Jesus Christ? Give me a verbal affirmation of that. Do you des desire to serve Jesus Christ? Through desire, a man, having past tense, separated himself. That's virtue, amen? Seeketh and intermeddleth with all wisdom. You know what our job now is? I pray by now you got most of the junk out of your life. I pray by now you put the beer out of the refrigerator. I pray, I pray that now everything is gone, the magazines are out. I pray right now that you're trying every day to walk with Jesus Christ. That's my prayer. I hope that we are there. My friend, now it's time to fall in love with the book. Add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. Because my friend, without the knowledge, the temperance, the patience, the godliness, the brotherly kindness, and the charity never come. Because I remember I told you it was a house, and you don't build the attic, and then the basement, and then the wall rafters. You know what you build? You lay the foundation, then you lay whatever's next, then you put the walls up, and then you put the ceiling up. My friend, virtue is the foundation built on faith. The next thing that's got to be for the house to stand is knowledge. Let me tell you why. You're taught temperance, self-control through trials and tribulations. You're taught patience through trials and tribulations. You're taught godliness 
by suffering. And if you haven't got a foundation in that book for knowledge, you're never going to make it through temperance. God's not playing games. God told us it's given us on the behalf of Christ not only to believe, but also to suffer. And if we are going to be fortresses for Jesus Christ, if every man is going to build his house that's going to stand against the wind and the rains, like Jesus told the parable in the book of Matthew, that some men built their house in the sand and the winds came and washed it away. If our house is going to build upon the rock, we've got to build it God's way, amen? That is through virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness. Now, as your pastor this morning, I need to tell you, when I'm talking about knowledge, I'm talking about not, as the little Baptist idioms go, read your daily bread for the day. I'm not talking about having a cracker for lunch. I'm talking about giving God something that costs you something. I promise you, you are not any busier than I am. And I promised you when I ran a youth department of 120 kids, you were not nearly as busy as I was. And my friend, it's going to take a sacrifice. It may take you staying up at 11.30 or 12 or 12.30 at night with just you and God in that book. But you know what will happen? This is the test that I've watched young man after young man and young lady after young lady fall on. Because they read their chapter a day. And they never got the gold mine. They like to stick a pan in the water. There's no gold. No gold today. It's time to get the back hose out. And dig up the feet. Four. The actions you make of what I'm saying determine your eternal position. If any man lack wisdom in the mask of God, you know what God told you to do? Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. Question. Be frank. Do not raise your hand. If today you stood before God, would God have approved your studying the book this week? Did you spend enough time in God's Word this week? A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Would you be ashamed of the time you spent in the Word of God this week? My friend, that is not a question for just maybe 12. My friend, that is a question for every day of your life. I don't want to go from here. I guess we can give an invitation. I don't know. My friend, my point this morning is not to make you feel bad. God forbid. My, my point this morning is not to, to uh, in any way, browbeat you or use this pulpit against you. My purpose this morning is to teach you the severity of the next step in your Christian growth is the biggest and the most important. Do me a favor. Before you pillow your head tonight, you read Psalm 119 and you see what the man after God's own heart had to say about this book. 
He said, rivers of water run down mine eyes because they keep not thy law. Is my meditation all the day. Through thy statutes thou hast made me wiser than all my teachers. Oh, how I love thy law. Please hear me. The, the falling away of Christianity in 1985 is based because nobody's made the step I'm teaching you this morning. They junk the book, and when they junk the book, you know what they started teaching? Virtue by a series of laws and regulations, not out of a holy life. Friend, if you love this book and you fall in love with this book, I don't need to give you any rules about how to dress. He will. I've taught you how holy and how separate God is. The breakdown has been.